Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. Happy belated Thanksgiving on behalf of all of us. I hope y'all are spending that with y'all's family and having a fantastic week. You'll notice it's a little bit different setup because we are all back in our hometowns, except for Ryan this break. I, Wesley Tolleson, join you from the Rose Capital of the World, Tyler, Texas. Walker Lott joins us from Fort Worth. Ryan Schroeder joins us from the beautiful state of North Carolina. Walker, I'll turn to you first. How has uh, the past week been? And what did you think about the uh, the tumultuous week of private school football? Um, yeah, speaking of that, it's probably the biggest, most amount of upsets ever in private school football in a very long time. So shocking, shocking week. Uh, but week's been good, you know, just working hard, getting stuff done, and now back home for Thanksgiving. So it's a good week right now. Without a doubt. Ryan, I mean, you, you're not normally in North Carolina. What are you doing up there? And what did you think about the past week of private school football? Yeah, you know, I had to go visit some family out in North Carolina. So uh, I'm, I'm here now. But like I said, like I'm in Oklahoma, like I'm anywhere else. Live streams are a thing and live streams are how I get through things. So I watched a lot of good football last week. And uh, I, I, I will tell you right now, I don't think I've ever seen that many upsets in private school football in a playoff ever just ever oh no there was we will get to it later but chaos doesn't even begin to describe what happened over this past week but speaking of that kind of action we will first as always go into recapping our last week's pick records and good lord if this isn't a good indicator of how crazy the week was i don't know what is I, for the second week in a row, have topped the, the pick record at 11 and 5. I have clawed my way back into second at 130 and 49. I, I'm getting back there slowly. Ryan may not be a sure bet to win at this point. Speaking of Ryan, Ryan is now second. He went 9 and 7 last week and is now 135 and 44 overall. Walker went dead even at 8 and 8 and is 129 and 50 on the year. So, yet again, to keep this concise, I will limit it to one sentence. Walker, I want a single sentence on your thoughts on last week's picks. All upsets lost, and then all wins that I thought happened did not win. <laughs> it's fair enough. That sums it up well. Ryan, same to you. One sentence on your thoughts on the pick records. I ended up doing better than I thought after the first games happened. I love doing this. I love seeing everyone try to condense their, their thoughts down into a single sentence. It's beautiful to watch live. As always, we will transition into our players of the week. And the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the, le- of the Week is Bishop Lynch running back Isaiah Schmitty, who had 43 carries for 340 yards, four touchdowns, and three receptions for 33 more yards. I mean, guys, we've known that this kid has been a bell cow for Lynch all year, but he went for 43 carries in a single game, which I think is a stat almost in itself that you have to just look at in a vacuum. I mean, he led them to that 52 to 50 win over St. Thomas and just he was an absolute workhorse in this game. Walker, what did you think about the Bishop Lynch running backs just standout performance from the past week? I mean, beating St. Thomas, you had to put the team on your back. And Isaiah did that and more. I mean, 43 carries is absolutely insane. Like, the fact that he's able to, you know what, because that man must have been tired. He must have was on the verge of, like, cramping. But he still overcame all of that and won the game for them in overtime. And that's what you wanted as your star player. If your star care, star player can't, you know, do the things that he needs to do to put his team in successful situations – 
and he's, he's not good enough. And this guy was not even close to that. He did everything he could for his team, put the team on his back, and one-hit them the game. And that's what you want in your star running back. No, he is a fantastic player. And like you said, he did indeed put the team on his back. Ryan, Isaiah Schmitty, 43 carries. And first of all, if we're not pronouncing his name wrong, please somebody stop me because I'm so scared I'm butchering this. But Ryan, I mean, he had a crazy game. Your thoughts on the Lynch running back's performance? So, yeah, he did great. He uh, honestly, I mean, you see any guy that does that kind of stuff for 43 carries, you, you obviously knew that he is the one that ran ran the show for that team. I mean, I'm going to let you know right now, Andrew Paul had a great week as well. Um, and, and, and there's actually a lot of guys who start set it out for their team. But, you know, I, it's kind of funny to see how – many carries like one guy can get and how much he can basically run the show and how no one else basically, you know, like was, was any factor in scoring on that team. So that's kind of how I see it in this scenario. I just think he went off for his team. And definitely when we talk about, uh, you know, like putting your team on your back and, and, you know, fighting all the way through that, that's who, that's him. He, he's the one that grabbed every single one of those linemen, every single one of those wide receivers, put all them heavy people on him and he carried them to the victory. So. No, without a doubt. I mean, he's a fantastic player. I saw him live like week three against St. Pius. He is as good as advertised. I can guarantee you that. Isaiah Schmitty, Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week. And now we look at the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, senior linebacker from Dallas Christian, Jackson Berry. The man had 15 total tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, a pass breakup, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery just for kicks and giggles and a win over four worth Christian to propel Dallas Christian to the final four and taps D2. I had the honor of covering Jackson Berry um, a few weeks ago when they played Grace. I mean, I knew immediately when I saw him, the kid was special. He's been doing this all year for Dallas Christian, and he is a player that will try to keep DC in the hunt for the, the state championship in D2. Walker, I mean, we, we've known about this kid for a little bit. Your thoughts on him having a monster game for D.C. in the quarterfinals? Yeah, I mean, that those linebackers of him, and like those linebacker DBs kind of, of Max Mikata, Gabriel Grubbs, and then Jackson Berry is just deadly for any team to face. And this guy just kind of balled out. Um, three, sack, three tackles for loss, one sack, fumble. Uh, and a fumble recovery and just added on to that the other stats it's just an insane night and that means he did it throughout the night too like that's not like I we could have absolutely gave it to Max Mikata who had 10 two interceptions and uh, one pick six which kind of sealed the game at the very end so you just saw how dominant this just defense is for uh, Dallas Christian and like you always say I mean, most of the time they spend practicing defense over there. So, I mean, it works with the talented players they have. It works. And Jackson Berry was just another tool that just kind of went off this game. So shout out to him. No, without a doubt. I mean, I've been saying too, Max Makeda and Gabriel Grubbs are both elite players. And the combination of those three on defense is a scary sight. But we're talking about Jackson Berry here. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the linebackers' crazy performance against Fort Worth Christian? Uh, no, there's not a lot more to say than what we've already said. You know, if you if you can put up a variety of stats, then you kind of win our hearts. Uh, three interceptions or a variety of stats. That's that's kind of our that's kind of how we uh, pick players of the week, I guess. I, I mean, you got to have everything or you got to have a lot of something. So it's kind of funny to say it that way, but that's kind of how it is. 
No, Ryan, I hear your dogs barking. I think that they understand that we're talking about a dog as well in Jackson Barry. I think they're, they're sensing one of their own kind that we're talking about, but I mean, yeah, I I thought of that and I knew it'd be, it'd be good to slide in there, but the Texas private school podcast, defensive player of the week, Jackson Barry, heck of a week from both him and Isaiah Schmitty, just both very well deserving of the award. And now, as always, we will transition into the last week's matchups, something I'm not really sure I want to do considering how many of these I got wrong. But as always, we will start actually on one that we all got correct, which is Parrish versus Prestonwood. Parrish won 49 to 24. Andrew Paul, as he has been doing lately, goes absolutely ballistic here, rushing for 323 yards and six touchdowns on 24 carries. Blake Youngblood also had a great game receiving with 135 yards. I remember earlier in the season I was talking about I was waiting when Youngblood was going to start having these breakout 100-yard games because it wasn't happening early. I basically theorized that he would when when Sawyer Anderson began coming into his own as the season came on, and it really looks like that's happening now, and they have a great connection, and they're going to try to push Parrish into the state title game. But on terms of defense, Keegan Addison had 22 total tackles, which is just a crazy number that you don't see very often. I mean, a testament to how good this Parrish defense is. Dylan Davis also grabbed an interception. So Walker, Parrish, business as usual. They defeat Prestonwood for the second time this season. And unlike last time, we were not fooled. Your thoughts on Parrish advancing to the semifinals? Yeah, I, I want to quickly shout out that Parrish offensive line. We talk about them every time, basically, when we talk about Parrish. But the fact that they can just help Andrew Paul do this every single week most of the time is just crazy. I mean, they have, you know, and it's all across the board. It's not like, you know, some offensive lines, you know, they have the star player and then you're kind of like the other four is not really good. No, across the board, they're solid offensive linemen. And, you know, Andrew Paul just lets them do the work and he runs right behind them. And that's how it is. Um, and I seeing that offensive line and that run game be so successful like we say all I say all the time, allows that pressure off of Sawyer Anderson to let him do what he is. He's a great, he's a great player, just young. So when you take the pressure off of him of keeping having to put the whole game on his shoulders, you don't he doesn't have to do that. And you know, there you go. Blake Youngblood for 135 yards. When you allow him to play his game and play the superstar potential that Sawyer Anderson has, it's deadly for any team. And that's what happened this game. No, without a doubt. And I want to shout that Parrish offensive line out by name again, just because they're so good and such an integral part to this team. That's Elias. That's Elliot Desalomes at left tackle, Sam Liu at left guard, Hayden Weber at center, Aiden Gilmore at right guard, and Jacob Pequeno at right tackle. I mean, that unit is one of the better units in taps and is a huge reason why Andrew Paul's been able to have the success he has and why Sawyer Anderson has been so comfortable back in the pocket. So big shout out to the Parrish offensive line. Ryan, your thoughts on Parrish thumping Preston Wood yet again? Uh, Yeah, so the first time these two teams played, obviously, was a long time ago, uh, and it was when Preston Wood had a lot of guys hurt. Final score was 35 to to 9, and obviously, you know, Preston Wood did not think that that was a true, um, you know, representation of their performance and what they could do against Parrish. This time around, Preston Wood, you know, had all their dogs, had everything in, in their arsenal, and they still didn't, you know, like put out the, you know, who, what they said they were going to do. So I rode your back all year, Preston Wood. I went against you this game, and I'm sorry if that was your downfall, but I honestly think Parrish just came out a little bit stronger. So 
Uh, and I don't think anyone was going to get in Parrish's way to the championship. So it's not their fault, but heck of a year to Parrish and uh, all those guys there. No, it's really funny how things change. Because I remember we were all in love with Preston Wood when the year started, mostly because of that big win against Coppell to start the season. But it's always interesting to see how dynamics shift and things like little things gradually change throughout the season to where Parrish has emerged as far and away the title contender out of D1. But there is a small object in their way moving forward that we will cover when we get to it. First, we have to cover Southwest Christian versus Grapevine Faith last week. Southwest wins 28 to 22. We all got that right. I don't think any of us thought it would be this close. I think we all thought it would be a much wider score margin. But regardless, a win is a win is a win is a win. Southwest dominates this one on the ground, outrushing Faith 301 to 42. That's the main storyline here, really. Southwest has been doing this to everyone this season, especially with Antoine Polk behind center. He goes for 169 of those 301 yards with two touchdowns. Tyson Flowers was also very effective on the ground, picking up 79 yards of his own. Walker, it'd be a disgrace to go to anyone but you first. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on Antoine Polk and Tyson Flowers in the Southwest, just very dynamic rushing game? I mean, what did you think really, really set them apart outside from rushing in this game against Faith? Yeah, the game was much much more closer than I expected it to be. I think, you know, Grave on Faith gave it it all, and it was just – they and it was close to being an upset, big-time upset, but they just couldn't do it. But, I mean – the fact is, is that knowing Grapevine Faith, you would think they would pass the ball a lot. And like one of my friends was there at the game and she was like, uh, it was like a first half. It was under an hour because they both ran the ball, which was shocking thinking about Grapevine Faith running the ball. But they have that 2024 running back. who was a very solid back for the future. And so maybe they trusted him and kind of put uh, SES off their game a little bit. But, you know, at. SCS has always been a second half team. You know, they punch them in the mouth the first half and then they, they finally get tired and then they keep punching them again. And that's how they win games. So that's how I saw it when it was like 22 to seven. But to the point, it was literally, they scored a, like Grapevine Faith didn't give up and they scored a touchdown on the last play of rele- relegation, went for two, got the game and went to overtime. And then finally, they finally got stopped in that first thing of turnover on downs for that Eagles defense. So shout out to them. But then, you know, SAS went down, scored, and won the game. But, like, you got to give credit to that Grapevine Faith team being hurt, being, you know, being injured, and coming out resilient and coming out strong. So, shout out to them. You know, they're still young. Chase Cross is a junior. You have him for another year. That's going to be deadly to see next year. But the mistakes that SAS had, they need to fix for this week. They can't, they can't keep it close for D.C. You can't because some, one thing goes and D.C. is going to go off. So – you, you got to play your game. You got to play it to the best of your potential. So Tyson Flowers and those guys have to get him in check and go into there. They can't, they can't keep a close game like they did against Faith. So we'll see how it goes. But shout out to the boys. Uh, Antoine Polk, I'll, I love him. You know how it is. I think he's a great player in that 23 class with Tanner Seaman. Um, we'll see how it goes next week. Yeah, without a doubt. It was funny. You said relegation instead of regulation, which made me remember how badly I want a relegation system in TAPS football. But that, that's a that's a wormhole for another day. We'll cover that later. Ryan, I mean, Southwest barely escapes against Faith here, but it ends up getting it done. Your thoughts on the Eagles' performance? 
Yeah, first time around in this district, Southwest Christian ran the table. And I'm going to tell you right now that Southwest Christian was going to run the table a second time. It just makes sense. Um, you know, Southwest Christian has been on top of this district. They have literally, um, you know, gone through every single team and they have showed no remorse, even my legacy Christian Eagles. So, you know, I had to pick them to win. They already beat Faith once this season. So it was very easy for me to pick them again. But yeah, Southwest Christian, Walker. You, you got a team rolling there. You got a nice old team rolling down in Fort Worth. Hey, what I've been saying this since last year. I said it last year, and y'all were all like, oh, I don't know if they'll get back there next year. Look at their back. They're right back there like they were last year. That's well, listen, man, they already, they already eliminated the toughest competition in D2 when they beat Grace first round. So mm. it's just kind of a cakewalk. For yeah. Them. Well, 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 legacy was like not even in, but like they didn't put them in this year because they were that good. So I, I don't. I don't know how that all worked out. I, I guess they just, I guess they're taking teams that, you know, are too good this year and just leaving them out. I guess that's how it works. I'm in so much pain. However, <laughs> that that is all we have on Southwest versus Faith. Now we transition to a game I actually had the honor of covering, which was Shiner St. Paul versus Brazos Christian. Sadly, a game we were all incorrect on, a game that me and Walker really couldn't pick against because, as we've mentioned many times, Brazos Christian is basically our child. St. Paul came out with the win 22-20, to and I will go to my grave saying this, and both coaches will say it as well. It was an absolute crime this game was a semifinal matchup. I genuinely do think these are the two best teams in TAPS D4, and it made for an all-time matchup last Friday. And I'll just say this. If you're telling me you can't find talent in TAPS D4, you're straight up just lazy. Levi Hancock had a tremendous swan song. And if you haven't already done it, go back to our Twitter and look at this absolute cannon the man has attached to his shoulder. I mean, Jimbo honestly might want to design some packages where the long snapper throws it somehow because this man has an absolute rocket. But what won the game ultimately for St. Paul was their rushing attack. Zach Johnson, the Division IV legend, had 30 eight 38 carries three dash eight that's ridiculous to me that that just the fact that shiner is just such a run dominant offense and a human being can even carry the ball 38 times in a game in modern football is mind-boggling to me but he had 141 yards and a couple touchdowns to go with it as well noah bodeker is also someone that impressed me i mentioned him in our pregame last episode or i had it in the script he um he impressed me a lot for them as he was extremely efficient as a receiver out of the backfield catching the only two cardinal passes of the night but between Johnson and Bodeker, that was enough to get the job done. I mean, St. Paul just really played clock control. They ate the clock up with that running attack, and they ended up winning and advancing to the state semifinals. Walker, I mean, it, it breaks my heart to see Brazos go, but what are your thoughts on St. Paul advancing? Yeah, um, seeing Levi Hancock grow this over this year is just it's a sight to see, and I love it. Uh, being a homer a little bit you know we were one of the first people were like hey this there's this kid down there and and brad's christian that could be something special i mean this this kid before anyone really knew about it we knew about him before he became you know the best that was before even coles was like hey um we're putting up as the number one long snapper in the nation that was we found out him before we like we were, I'm calling it like, this is ours. Like Levi Hancock was our dude. And um, I, I just was so impressed to see how 
he lived up to the potential he could. Yes, you know he's going to hurt because literally every interview we've ever said was, what's your going, mindset going into this year is state. That's, that was his mindset. And he became two points short against a great team at Shiner St. Paul. But you have to you tip of a cap to him because he did everything he could for this team. And he'll leave Brian Brazos Christian as one of the best to ever do it there. Um, and that's what you want in a player. Honestly, like he's that gift. I know he's always a long snapper for AM, but he's a gifted athlete enough. He could have played ball at any like a position he wanted to in the next level. So don't get it twisted just because he's wanting to play long snapper in the next level. He could have been an athlete dude anywhere. But on the other side, Shiner St. Paul rolling again and being the team they've always been. I mean, the dominant division four team and and Zach Johnson and Noah Bodeker. I mean, when you run the ball between those two guys, more than probably 50 carries, that's this this is disgusting. And when you can like kind of like SES is when you can run the ball efficiently and like dominantly. I mean, who 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 are you gonna stop? Who, there's no one that can stop you, and that's what happened this game. So shout out to Saint Shiner Saint Paul. Uh, I probably expect him to be in the state championship in a couple of weeks. So, oh, without a doubt, incredibly talented program, story program down there in Shiner. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Saint Paul edging out a two point victory in the battle of the two best teams in Division Four? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the the game plan against Saint Paul is. We're going to put all 35 guys on our roster in the box at all times on defense. Every single one of them you just put in the box. Um, but no, um, I, jokingly, I say that, but honestly, Zach Johnson and Noah Bodeker, you, that's a great game for them. I, I do wonder if someone's going to pick up on that, though, and they will try to play more of a run defense and force them to throw the ball and basically kind of like – you know, just make it so that you do put nine guys in the box and that you have, you know, you just, just, or you put eight guys in the box and you recover the receivers, like whatever, whatever you do, like, in my opinion, I don't know how you stop the St. Paul team without putting that many guys in the box. I don't know how you stop Zach Johnson without putting it in the box. Right. But going back to, you know, obviously our man, Levi Hancock and the hometown guy, even though I'm not from, uh, uh, uh what's called a and you're, 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 yeah okay. absolutely he could change his position at like uh at AM too like he could be a long snapper and then also do other stuff for them too like he is that gifted to be able to do a variety of things for them so yeah i i know that's that's what he's going to be known for but walker's completely right i could see him doing some special teams plays that could have a pass go out to him and stuff like that. Or, or, you know, maybe getting that in the tight end position on offense or something like that, like, or throwing the fake punt or what, like I, there's so much stuff that I could see him doing just because of how gifted of an athlete he is. No, I completely agree with you. Jimbo, if by some God for second chance, you somehow stumble across this podcast, utilize the man, you have a tremendous athlete on your hands. However, that's all that we have for the TAPS D4 quarterfinal game. And now we transition into Division Two, where we see Regents faced off against Second Baptist in another game, which we all got incorrect and were very, very promptly reminded on Twitter, which I had a lot of fun with, honestly. I, I love when people interact with us. But Second Baptist etched out a 10-point win, 26-16. to 16. And all I have to say is, why couldn't you all have done this last year? I picked you all to upset Regents last year, and that – the reason I didn't this year is because I got burned last year. So honestly, I, I stick by my pick. I just wish I could have done it last year when I actually picked y'all. 
But in all seriousness, I mean, Second Baptist stuns perennial state title contender regents to move on to the state semis. I mean, Coach Pearl and Second Baptist did an elite job at clock control and essentially played keep away from regents, who had their worst offensive performance of the season. So, Walker, I mean, we all got this one wrong. I mean, what do you think about Second Baptist stunning perennial state contenders regents? I mean, this has to be the first time Regents doesn't go to state in what, four, five years? It has to be. I haven't looked, but it's definitely something like that. Because last year and at least the two before that, maybe, uh, yeah, at least four years, this is the first time they haven't been to state. So that's just one shocking. And it also talks about the success Austin Regents has had. I mean, they blew out everyone in that division or district down there in Austin and they just couldn't get over the hump. So you want to also say shout out to second Baptist for finally doing it. But I want to also say Drew Dickey will now go down probably is one of the best in private school will ever do it. I mean, the success that he had last year and the amazing upset win over Dallas Christian and finally doing it after so many over the time at uh, Austin Regis just couldn't get over the hump of winning the state championship. He finally did it for them. Um, so you just have to give them credit. So shout out to uh, Drew Dickey and the rest of that team. It it might be that just that team wasn't as good as they were in the past years. I mean, you know, that team had a lot of dudes on that team. You know, uh, uh, Josh Franklin, uh, the lineman that went to Tech. I mean, they had a lot of athletes that went on and could have played collegiate ball, but maybe on this team there isn't as many. I mean, you have Drew. You have Whipple Powell, you have Weston Benson, you have Will Stone, the kicker, who I believe even he missed the kick in that. But that's just shocking when your guy who number one kicker in the country type of player uh, misses a kick in a game like that. That's just shocking. Um, they Maybe they just don't have the dudes to compete anymore. And maybe they're on the finally on the down low, down slope. And that, that game next year is going to be very interesting to see if St. Michael's can co- finally beat Regents next year going to be interesting to see but nonetheless shout out second baptist great team coach pertle led them in the right direction the athletes that they have there kind of finally stood up and was like hey this is our time now and they're doing it and now they next week they get to get revenge on fort ben if they can so we'll see how that goes no 100 percent. doing a little bit of research if my findings are correct this should be the first time since 2015 that regents hasn't made the state championship i mean that that run of dominance just has to be in itself acknowledged i mean a tremendous program has been built down there regardless of them not making it this year i mean the fact to build a dynasty and i'm saying what it is it's a dynasty to go to state that many consecutive years you have to take your hats off even whenever it ends so shout out regents an incredible run up to this point walker i mean ryan good lord i'm losing my mind your thoughts on second baptist knocking off the perennial contenders i think that is such a great job of clock control i know you said that but like there's there is no other way that second baptist wins this game if it isn't for their coaching tactics and what they went through and honestly the amount of times that Second Baptist has been close enough, and you know, and, and they they lose to that Regents team. I, I think it has just happened to them last year, and and I don't know if it happened before that, but like 
they're realizing like we need to find a tactic that's going to work against this reaches team. And honestly, what if they've been concocting this strategy all the way back from last year when they lost like that kind of stuff, you know, they, you might think about that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that's exactly what they do. I have no idea. So don't quote me on any of this, but Literally, it could have been. They could have had this strategy just planned out how they wanted to, you know, make sure regions didn't get the ball at all. Like, this is how we're going to do it this year. We have a new strategy coming into this game. We're not going to lose like we did last year. And honestly, I I think that's just an outstanding performance from Second Baptist. And I'm excited to see if they can be undefeated regions, a team that I literally said that was going to bulldoze anybody in their path, like uh, down their path, which... I regret that now, but you know, second Baptist, man, like what heck of a win. And you know, that's, 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 that's stuff that regions has never seen. They've never seen a loss in some, some of those guys actually have never seen a loss in the semi in the semifinals for them or the quarterfinals for them. They've never seen that. If you think about it that way, never seen that. No, it's an incredible program. And to your point, there is almost a certain chance, all right. A certain yeah, I guess chance that that Coach Pertle has been taking an entire year to implement a game plan to beat Regents. I mean, just knowing him, there is a very high possibility that happened. That's just kind of the kind of coach he is. It speaks to the program he's built down there in Houston. But that's all we have for that. And now we transition to St. Michael's versus Fort Bend Christian. Another game I got to go cover. I just, I, I have so much fun covering this Fort Bend team. Not to, not to be punny because their whole thing now is so much fun. But I thoroughly enjoy getting to watch them. It's such a fun team to be around. But I expected they'd win this game. But good Lord, not by this much. They won 69 to 28. And there was a point that, yeah, the, the clock ended up running like, when was the last time you saw a clock running outside of the Cedar Hill days in the quarterfinals of a, of a playoff? Probably not very often, but this Fort Bend team that speaks to the electricity of their offense. In terms of their stats from the game, Samuel Blue had 16 carries for 215 yards and a couple touchdowns. Brady Dever went 18 of 25, 402 yards and seven touchdowns passing, which at this point is just a day at the office for him. I mean, he has established himself as probably the best junior quarterback in the taps in the state. And I mean, he just proves it day in and day out. Marcus Creton had six catches for 150 yards and four touchdowns. Brian Domino had five catches, 100 yards and a touchdown. Braylon Gardani had three catches for 90 yards. And Donovan Dixon had four grabs, 70 yards and a touchdown. So just yet again, th- this Fort Bend receiving core, I think with the, with the addition of Dever making it an air raid attack, I think you can argue that it's the best unit in taps. I really do. I mean, they are just fantastic, and I will continue to say that. But in terms of St. Michael's, I mean, three guys that really impressed me were Joe Moreland, Carson Kruver, and Jack Esparza. Moreland and Esparza, the two receivers, are both fantastic. Walker, I actually um, texted Walker before the game. And I was like, hey, give me some guys to watch for St. Michael's because I haven't done as much research on them. He was like, he gave me a long list, but three of them were Moreland, Esparza, and Kruver. All three of them were fantastic. Joe Moreland, I think, is a guy that you said as well, Walker. He is a legitimate collegiate talent. I mean, he's what, like 6'3", 6'4". He's built pretty well. He's built for the jump ball and the vertical route. I mean, he is a fantastic player. Now, I love getting to see him live. He's also a junior, so he's got even more time to grow. Jack Esparza was fantastic as well. He actually played in his last game. 
uh, last Saturday, but he, he went out with a bang. He's a great receiver as well. Carson Kruver is also a heck of a player at quarterback. He's a tough kid for St. Michael's, and it was a pleasure to watch all three of them. But I just spoke a lot. So, Walker, your thoughts on Fort Bend, specifically their offense, and just absolutely blitzing St. Michael's here in the quarters. Yeah, Fort Bend is just pure electricity. Like, you never know what's going to happen. When it strikes, it strikes fast. It goes – it just it strikes hard. I mean – I, I wouldn't want to face him if I was a coach. I mean, that's just so hard to defend that that offense. It's so, so difficult. Um, but so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how Fort Ben again does against uh, uh, Second Baptist this week. But, yeah, St. Michael's is a good team, but they're a young team. Carson Kruver's a 23. Joe Moreland's a 23. Uh, ja Griffin's a 23. Uh, Malachi Smith is a 23. Um, some uh, Xander Romero is a 23. Um, all those guys are young, talented players. So we'll be see, it'll be interesting to see how they do next year. Um, you know, Carson Kruger came over from Westlake because, you know, he's behind Cade Klubnick over there. But I mean, come on, you can't tell me like a lot of those guys from Westlake, like Travis, maybe don't want to go. If they're not starting, they're talented, want to go to a Regents or a St. Michael's. I mean, I would. So it'll be very interesting to see how this these teams line up again next year. But Jack Esparza, one heck of a player, like you said, finished his last game. But um, he ended out uh, as strong as he could. I think he's a talented collegiate player. I think he could go somewhere if he really wanted to. We'll see how it ends up. But, yeah. No, certainly. Ryan, your thoughts on Fort Bend St. Michael's? Yeah, I thought that this game was going to be a lot closer than it was. I did not know Fort Bend Christian was going to win by that much. And I totally agree with you. I just think that Brady Dever is just going to, like, be a star-studded for this team. Like, you know, they're going to play second Baptist. Yeah, I'm telling you Brady Dever will put up six, six touchdowns against them, too. You can't tell me that he won't. You cannot tell me that he won't do that again. He – like it's just normal for him. It's normal for him to put up those numbers, right? So that's that's how I that's how I see it. I I think, and I'm not gonna give away my pick yet, but gosh, you know, Regents for Ben would have been a better game, is what is what I think, in my opinion. And I know that's gonna people are gonna hate me for that, but I that's what I say. That's what I say. Regents for Ben would have been a better game. And We'll get to that later, but I think Fort Ben is just a great team this year. No, a hundred percent. That that would have been an interesting game, but we'll see. I think I think Fort Ben Second Baptist is going to bring a bit of uniqueness in its own right. And I'll hit on that when we get to that game. But those were the five games that we previewed last week. There's three other games that we have to hit on Walker. If you want to take it, there's, there's, I mean, they, these were just such good games. It's impossible to not mention. Yeah, like we said last week, that regional round is probably the best of private school football we've had in a very long time. So we have to talk a little bit about it. That DC four was Christian game. Very close. Very close. It was, what was it, 35-28 going into the fourth quarter. And then fourth Christian goes and ties it up, and it's 35-35. You're like, holy cow, fourth Christian could win this. But then DC, like they always do, then go, go score. And then afterwards, get a fumble, an interception, and a pick six to go go up four scores. Um, it, it, when DC is hot and they're on, 
it's hard to beat that team. And you saw it in that fourth quarter. Basically how it is. When DC's on, they're on. And when they're not, you have a shot to stay close. And I think that's going to be the recipe for SES to even have a shot in this game. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, give it up to Fort Worth Christian for, you know, starting so bad, being real, and then coming back, getting healthy, and overcoming all that adversity to go in and make it to the, what is it, the second round of the playoffs. So shout out to them for doing that. I mean, if you told me that week four, I would have been like, you, you're out of your mind. So shout out to them going second in district and then going second round. So shout out to them. Yeah, I got to add, Fort Worth Christian had – one of the greatest turnarounds I've ever seen in a single season. So I literally just had to put that in there. That was a fantastic 180 on their part. Absolutely. Ryan, you have anything else or you want to keep going? I, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. If you did not watch that game and you looked at the final score, you would think that we're crazy for thinking like, like you would think we're crazy for saying that the game was closer than it was guys. I'm telling you right now, this game, this final score is not a representation Fort Worth put an all out effort on the field. And I think that it's just so important to realize that like, the final score, yes, there was a lot of turnovers at the end, but they were just chucking up the ball to try to get it down the field, and they were throwing interceptions, and they were just waiting super long in the pocket to throw the ball and all that kind of stuff. Like It's stuff that Trevor Andrews had to do in order to try and win the game. So there was less time on the clock and all that kind of stuff. This is not the game that, that – the final score is not the game that happened. That game was close, and I have so much – guys – Look, lost to Cypress Christian, lost to Bishop Lynch, lost to ESD, lost to Brook Hill, lost to Dallas Christian. And finally, they get a win against us as their first win in the season. That was their first win. They went 0-5. And, and, and they went 0-5. October 2nd, they were 0-5. Then they came back and did that. I am telling you right now, this team did more than we would have ever thought back on October 2nd. And that's just something to say. Absolutely. I mean, they've, they've been through a lot of, you know, coaching changes, administration changes over there at Fort Worth Christian. Uh, so they've had to fight through a lot of diversity. And, you know, that injury is galore on this season was just another thing they had to fight. And, you know, it, you, you see Fort Worth Christian in the right direction um, for next year. And, yes, um, it's going to be more difficult for them next year. But they still have some guys coming back. You know, Jacob Tremble is a junior right now, so you have him for another year. Hogan mm-hmm. Nelson looks like a good quarterback for the future. Um, you know, there's a lot of other guys that are, you know, young guys that could be the future, but you lose some seniors. But, oh, I said that again, but it's a bright future for Fourth Christian kind of like steadily maybe get back to where they were. So we'll see how it goes for the next couple of years. I don't think this is a one-year fix of like, boom, they're back to being perennial state champions like they were a couple of years ago. But I think you could see the progression of like, hey, this team has hope for the next couple of years. So, yeah, I wanted to say that. Going into the next game, you have fourth All Saints versus uh, Central Catholic in San Antonio. I mean, the curse of the South schools is finally being with Central Catholic beating fourth All Saints. I think it was like they were 0-6 in playoffs last year, and Central Catholic finally is, is the one to beat a North school. Um, it The Central Catholic team were, was dominant from the get-go and was all night. And it starts with that offensive line led by DeAndre Marshall and Ben Rios, the UTSA commits, and also Ben Rios, the under uh, Adidas All-American. I wanted to point that out because that's big time for him. But um, they were stellar all night, and they just popped that All Saints defensive line in the mouth and just just let them do 
and they they went to work and it allowed senior Jonah Dumlap to go off and he could he first of all he doesn't go down easily he does not get tackled easily and he had 127 yards with 24 carries with the score and that was their main game we'll run the ball for three four yards make you focus on the run and then that it allows Silas Gomez to go to work Silas Gomez went off for 18 of 22 18 of 22 I want you to remember that that's only four passes messed up, 233 yards and two touchdowns, but both going to senior Jackson Deason, who had 146 yards receiving on seven receptions. Silas also then had 69 yards rushing and a score on 16 carries. Um, I remember I was talking about it with some per- one of my friends. The QB run in high school football this year has been so effective, and Silas Gomez is just a master at it. His his composure and just poison the pocket is just unreal. And honestly, he made this game submitted himself. You know, you have Drew Dickey in that conversation, but and River Rodriguez in that conversation. But I, I, I might go to bat for him being the best private school quarterback in, in taps in private school. He is a dog, man. I, I, I'm, I don't, you don't see a lot of guys often who are just so comfortable and composed in the pocket the way he is and that's what's scary is that he doesn't like it made it one score all saints made it a one score game one time with brent alfinger doing everything he can and i want to shout him out you know he just got a preferred walk on to smu which i think will be a great spot for him if he chooses that but yeah i just want to give him that because he's been dominant all year we've said his name hundreds of times and he's been a great player for the uh, all saints team so shout out to him but Silas Gomez is a dog, man. I think and he's going. He's committed to Army, but I think that's a steal. I think that's a steal for Army. Um, and I also want to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Caleb Harrison, the junior, caused two fumbles and recovered both while having eight total tackles and two tackles for loss and also returning one of those fumbles for a touchdown. That kind of went put the game back to two scores late in the fourth. Um, talking about all Saints, Brandon Alfinger already mentioned. Um, and then the two scores by the elite wide receiver, Chris Paul Freeman, to keep him in the game at all. Look, All Saints just kind of got outplayed and outcoached this entire game. It's, it's, it's very intriguing to see how good the San Antonio Central Catholic team is, and they have a great opponent in Midland Christian this week, who All Saints ended up beating earlier in the season. So we'll see how it goes. But that's my analysis. That'll be super interesting. I am very, very excited for this uh, for this central um, dead coming. Who do they play? The Central Midland game. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be well. We're going to preview it, so I'm not going to give anything away. But I'm very, very excited for it. We also got to do a very, very quick discussion of how many upsets there were this last week. I mean, St. Thomas losing to Lynch in that double overtime barn burner. Nolan falls to Midland, which if you would have told me that would have happened like week four, I would have laughed in your face. But I'll I'll say later, this Midland team has really impressed me as of late. They really, really are getting it done. And I mean, there's a lot of external factors weighing down on Nolan. That's not to take away anything for what Midland has done. Grace Prep also fell to Trinity Christian of Lubbock, which was probably, honestly, probably the biggest surprise for me out of these three. I thought Grace Prep was going to go undefeated and just run out the rest of this schedule. But Trinity Christian had some other plans. But, you know, also you got to shout out Grace Prep. I mean, they had a fantastic 
season up to this point. And you can't take anything away from them. They had a great season. I know it ended earlier than they thought it would, but they have been a fantastic team up to this point. So now we have actually a list of all of the state championship winners and taps, and we wanted to shout those out really quick. Ryan, do you want to go through all of the winners from recently in the tap state championships? Yeah, so just like we did for SBC, y'all, I, I think it's important that we do all this. Like I say always, if you're new, uh, we go through everything. This is the Texas Private School Podcast, and we're not just football. So sometimes you do want to give some love to some other sports. Um, so TAPS Volleyball, Field Hockey, Cross Country Champions, Cross Country. It was on November 1st, and the 6A girls team win was Antonian Prep. The 6A boys team win was Central Catholic. The 5A girls team was Fort Worth Southwest Christian. The 5A boys team was San Antonio TMI. The 4A girls team was Legacy Prep. And the 4A boys team was Dallas Covenant. Field hockey, which if you didn't know what happened in TAPS, it happens in TAPS. Uh, it was on October 29th, and the winner was uh, Houston St. Agnes. Agnes? I don't know. Agnes. Right. Agnes. Agnes Academy. So sorry. And then the runner up was uh, Fort Worth All Saints. And then, and that was October 29th, if I didn't say that. And then volleyball just happened this weekend, which is what we were waiting for. And um, the 6A champion was 6A uh, St. Agnes Academy. And then 5A Fort Bend Christian Academy and 4A John Paul II Catholic from Shirts, um, if I said that right. But yeah. There you go. There's all your TAPS uh, state champions, and I think we did well. I think we hit every single every single SBC and every single TAPS for the fall, so very happy that we get to announce all those champions. No, yeah. you have to give a very – go on. I want to say something because, you know, we, uh, we talked about TAPS a while back when we were talking about realignment, and, you know, that's such a big issue, right, because – we always think about it from the football perspective, right? Of, oh, well, these teams should be able to complete with the higher ups and all that. But for schools like the teams that move down from D1 to D2, a lot of those schools need it also for the other sports like we just mentioned, because those it's not just a school just for football. And, you know, sometimes we over, like I over-exaggerate or all that when it's about, you know, just about the football perspective, which is a big issue, but you have to look at this also as for the other schools and, you know, a lot of the other schools for girls, sports, stuff like that. It's a big issue move, being able to move down and then compete at that right level. So sometimes tabs gets it right. And this, some of these reasons might be the reasons why that some of these schools move down. So I just wanted to say that, but congratulations to all these schools. Um, great job for all of them. So. No, for sure. You got to give a very genuine congratulations to all these schools. I mean, winning a state championship is a feeling like no other. And I would have killed to have that when I was in school. Runner up three times. I'm still not over it. However, that's all that we have for that. And now we transition into our five games of the week for the semifinal round. The first being Fort Bend Christian versus Houston Second Baptist, the rematch of the district championship. These two teams, like I just mentioned, have already met in which Fort Bend etched out a 27 to 24 win to secure district a district title. After losing three straight in weeks three through five, Fort Bend has been lights out and hasn't lost a single game, advancing all the way to the state semis. Second Baptist shocked all of taps last week by knocking off state favorite Austin Regents. The key matchup again, like I mentioned, the first time these teams played. 
It's the Houston Second Baptist defensive scheme versus the best unit in all of TAPS, the Fort Bend Christian air attack. You know, I, I talked to Coach Pirtle actually for like 20 minutes at the halftime of the St. Michael's Fort Bend game. And I'm obviously not going to release anything he told me. It's not like he told me anything specific they're going to do. But I think Second Baptist is going to come into this game with a very, very solid game plan. And I really want to pick them. But if I was a betting man, I would have made a lot of money on Fort Bend this this year. And I know our friend Greg Tepper doesn't like it when we we equate sports betting and high school sports. But good Lord, this team would be a cash cow if you could. I mean, listen, man, I've picked Fort Bend this far, and I feel like it would just be cheating on them if I didn't at this point. There is a large part of me, and I mean the rational part of my brain wants me to take second Baptist here because I feel like they're not going to get trounced again. I can't do it. I have to take Fort Bend, and I'm on my knees praying that one of you takes Second Baptist so we don't get memed to death on Twitter if we all take Fort Bend and Second Baptist wins. Walker, who are you going to take in this matchup? Well, I'm, I want to make you sad a little bit because I'm also going to take Fort Bend here. I mean, oh, no. Fort Bend's offense has been phenomenal as of late, and you, you have to give credit to that. No team has been able to stop it, and – even second Baptist being real, they weren't able to stop it. And because of that, I know they might have a better game plan to go in into this and they they're going to have that revenge on it. But I trust coach black over there. He's going to get in their mindset of like, Hey, that, that revenge that, you know, second Baptist is talking about, we're going to snuff that out and not let them even think of it. So give me four Ben here. Ryan. For the love of all things good and holy, please take Second Baptist. You already heard what I was going to say. I'm you gonna, already I'm, heard it earlier. I'm going to jump out of my window. You already heard it earlier. We're screwed. Fort Bend Christian. Fort Bend Christian is an, an outstanding team, and there's no there's no going on about like the thing. You're, I mean, yes, betting is horrible, but jeez, you would make a lot of cash off Fort Bend Christian. I'm talking to y'all that they, they will see DC, you know, or, or Southwest Christian in the championship. I don't know what I'm picking there yet, but Fort Bend Christian will be that, will be that spot in, in the state championship. So that's what I got to say. That's what I'm saying right now. Fort Bend Christian has their spot in the championship and I'm going to stick to it. That regions would have, regions would have been a better game. Sorry. Sorry. Regions would have been a better game. Well, Coach to- Pirtle, there's your there's your bulletin board material. We gave it to you on a silver platter. So go and take it and run with it because, good God, if they win, we are our mentions are going to be ruined for a week. Next game, Parish Episcopal versus Bishop Lynch. After going 2-5 and five in district, Lynch shocked the world last week with a 52-50 to 50 overtime, I think double overtime win against Houston St. Thomas. Like we said before, Isaiah Schmidt is an absolute workhorse. They can keep Lynch in almost any game, maybe except this one. I love Lynch, don't get me wrong, but this Parish team is hands down the best team in the state, in my opinion. I think Sawyer Anderson is developing scary fast, and Andrew Paul has no regard for human life when this man runs the football. You throw Blake Youngblood in the mix, too, and you have an offense that runs like a well-oiled machine. 
I just think their defense as well will be much stouter than St. Thomas's, and I don't think you're going to find anyone that disagrees with me on that. I think the Parish defense, even though I've just spent time raving about their offense, I think the Parish defense is what is the X factor in this game. I think it's going to be significantly better than most teams that Lynch has faced up to this point. And I think it's going to be very difficult for Schmitty and the rest of that offense to move the ball on. Give me Parrish in this game. Walker, your thoughts on Parrish versus Lynch? Uh, yeah, uh, for this game, yeah, give me Parrish in this one. I don't think it will be too close. Uh, I think Parrish dominates like they did in the season. I don't know what the score was in that game, but uh, let me look. During the season, it was 49-13 to 13 win for Parrish. Uh, will probably be around the same thing this week. Dominant win for Parrish, I think, here. But, hey, give credit to uh, Bishop Lynch. No one would have thought they were going to be here in, at the start of the season. What were they? They went – what did they go during this year? They went oh, five and seven this year. I mean, and they went to the state semis. So shout out to them. That's a big win, big win for St. Thomas. And that just shows that – you know, Coach Moats over there, the head coach over there for Bishop Lynch is turning that program in the right direction. And, you know, they were they were the team that were in the state championship a couple of years ago, not that long ago. But you can see now they're, hey, they're in the right direction. They have a lot of talented dudes over there at Bishop Lynch, but I think Parrish gets the job done here. I'd have to agree with you, and I'm going to wager that Ryan probably agrees with you as well. Ryan, your thoughts on Lynch versus Parrish? Give me Bishop Lynch by 40. All right, say it with a straight no, face. No, no, Bar- Parish physical. I'd say Parish. Um, but no, like we said, Lynch had a great season this season, and and it's just like, it's it's just saying like you know, when it comes down to it, the North is just a little bit better than the South. I and mean, by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit better than the South. So a team that plays in the North like Lynch can still go out and beat some of the top teams, like you know, Houston St. Thomas, right? Like. We thought Houston St. Thomas was some dogs, and they, and they were some dogs this year, but who they were playing is not the same team that Bishop Lynch was playing. Bishop Lynch was playing these top teams all year long, which is why, you know, they ended up getting to this position. Um, but Paris will still have their number again the second time, in my opinion. I'd have to agree there. I don't think you're going to find many people that disagree with that. So with that, we transition into the next game, which is Dallas Christian versus Southwest Christian. And it would be kind of a disgrace to let anyone intro this except Walker, considering he is an alumni of one of the schools. So Walker, go ahead and give us a rundown of what we should expect in this game. DC versus Southwest Christian is a fantastic game, and I'm so excited for this. I will be in attendance there at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Uh, DC got the good the good end of the flip of the coin and got them close to home 10 minutes away from home. So shout out to that. But yeah, this, this is the game that decides how good this Southwest Christian program is. When I talked to Tyson flowers after the last defeat, when it was a big time defeat for DC over SES in the semis last year, he said, we will be here right back here next year. And that's where he is again. That I, he spoke into existence and he is here again today. Um, like I said earlier in the episode, if you if DC makes the mistakes that they always do and you keep them in, close in this game, you have a shot. Warworth Christian always had a shot against DC, but DC just found a way to pull away at the end always. And that's probably how they always win. SES needs to play the most physical game of their life 
hit him in the mouth and keep running the ball all day long. Antoine Polk needs to be that bigger back that he is and just run over people because the things we've had in the past is we've never really had the guys to kind of compete with the big, the, the big, uh, big dudes that they've had over there at DC. And, but the thing about it is Antoine Polk is the biggest back we've had in a very long time. He doesn't go down easy. They have John Tappan on the offensive line, Court Comer on our stage, uh, Sebastian, all those guys are dominant, dominant offensive linemen. You have Tyson Flowers, and he, he is going to give everything he's got for this team. I'm going to say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a close one because, the like, SES is going to have to run the ball so much. It's going to be a, not that long of a game, and it's going to be a close game. But, you know, last, last year I picked D.C., and, you know, um, they won because I think I just didn't have faith in my dudes. And, you know, I was, I'm back home, back home in the 817, back home in Fort Worth, the hometown. And, you know, I was coming through my house, seeing all the old photos, and I found something that just gave me hope. This is my helmet from fifth grade or something like that. And I saw this in somewhere in my house, and I said, that is my eagle. That is the pride of Southwest Christian. Give me SES in this game. I believe in my Eagles. Go Eagles. Tyson, give this to me. Let's go. Let's go. Give me Eagles. You can't hide that Eagle pride, and you can't hide that Eagle pride with me today. So give me Salas Christian. Inject it directly into my veins. I love every aspect of it. You know, I was scrolling through because uh, Texas private school football guy has uh, – he put up polls um, – basically gauging interest to see who thought what team was going to win as for dc southwest 80 percent picked dc and in the comments basically the consensus opinion is dc's defense is going to be the deciding factor here you know you've heard me go on and on about dc over the past couple years especially when we started last year using adjectives such as a rolling ball of chainsaws among other things to describe them so you know with that being said I don't know if this is the same team that it was last year. Don't get me wrong. DC is fantastic. They always have been. Wheeler coaches a great program down there. And as always, they have dogs. You've got Makeda, Grubbs, Jackson Berry at running back, who has been fantastic. Or, no, 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 no. Jackson Berry's a linebacker. Jaleel, is Jaleel Brown a running back? Uh, yes. Yeah, Jaleel Brown. Jaleel Brown yeah. But Jackson Berry at running back would be a very scary sight. Don't get me wrong. Mm. However, I think this is the year Southwest gets past D.C. I, I like Tyson Flowers. I like Antoine Polk too much. I don't think that there is that significant of a gap any longer between D.C. and the rest of the North. I think Fort Worth exposed that a little bit. And I know D.C. pulled away late, but Fort Worth kept that close. I really, really think this could be the year Southwest upsets D.C. Give me the Eagles in a close one. Ryan, I, I think this will be the first time we ever all pick against D.C. if you choose to do so. So I'm very interested to see what the pick is here. I, guys, y'all, this is the game of the week, in my opinion. Like, you want a game of the week, this is the game of the week. This is a game that I think I would have been like, like wanting to see all year long, everything like this is a Dallas Christian team who is strong. Um, 
but here's what I got to tell you. Here's, here's, we're going to go down the line here, and I'm going to tell you some things about Dallas Christian. Dallas Christian mm-hmm. had a win on September 24th against Fort Bend Christian. They won 35 to 13. They have close games with Liberty Christian in 7 6 um, back on September 10th, and they have a 20 point loss to TCA. They also have a win against 6A Powerhouse. Not really, but they're also, they're still pretty good. Bishop Lynch. And Honestly, you know, the rest of these games in their district are just kind of like, you know, games where they blow out every single team. DC is a powerful team. Please do not get that wrong. Oh, no. And Southwest Christian has a lot of dogs this year. They have beaten Grapevine Faith twice this year. Their losses also only come to TCA. And then the ESD, which is the runner-up for SBC. I'm giving you a lot right here. I'm giving you a lot. I'm, t- I'm telling you, a team that beat my legacy Eagles 57-12, to 12, Southwest Christian is going to lose to Dallas Christian. I have Dallas uh-huh. Christian here. Jaleel Brown is going to run a show, and I think that you're going to have some of these Southwest Christian fans who may be, and some students who may still be on Thanksgiving break. This is going to be kind of crazy to talk about. I'm telling you, it's kind of crazy to see, but I think Dallas Christian is going to realize it's right next to us. We don't have to make a 40-minute drive in the cold, 50-minute drive in the cold. We can just head over to the stadium, head back to our house. We're right there. We can go cheer on our Eagles. We feel like we're at home at Mesquite. We have to hold down Mesquite. I have Dallas Christian over Southwest Christian. You know, I'm honestly not mad at that. I really like you hedging our bets for the podcast's sake. Uh, DC has one of the more raucous fan bases that we interact with, and God forbid that we triple pick against them and get mean to absolute death like we had the past few weeks. But I do think that'll be a great game. It is the game of the week if it's not Fort Bend Second Baptist. I think it's going to be fantastic, Walker. I just wanted to say, you know, you talked about hold that cold bus ride over. You know, Eagles, Eagles are natural in, you know, cold weather situations. Oh, and, uh, oh, you know, yeah. we, we fight like Eagles. And I think the cold does not bother us. So we're unfazed. We're, we're ready to go. I'm, they've been tattling this game since literally the last game where they lost against D.C. So I, I'm excited for these guys. Wish the best for them. Go shock the world, guys. Proud of y'all. It's going to be a very interesting environment come that game. However, that's all we'll say about it. Now we transition into Central Catholic versus Midland. God dang it. Versus Midland Christian. Midland also had a tremendous upset of Nolan Catholic this past week, disproving a lot of doubters and opening the eyes of the skeptics, of whom I definitely was one. This is a good football team. River Rodriguez is fantastic with his legs and will give this central defense a difficult test. And I really hate to do this because I hate picking against Midland so many times in a row. And I don't want to be a Midland hater, but I love central here. Walker got to see Silas Gomez in action last week, and we can both conclude he is one of, if not the top quarterback in his class. Plus, having guys like UTSA commits Ben Rios and DeAndre Marshall blocking for him, who, if you have not realized or see on our Twitter, they are mountains of men. They are gigantic. I will be terrified facing off against them. But they're they're incredibly solid. And I just think the combination of that three-headed monster is simply too much to pick against. Even with Braden Flowers being out for the rest of the year, that incredibly talented tight end for them, 
I want Central in a nail-biter here. I think they barely edge out Midland. And Midland, I'm sorry I've picked against you so much. I really do think you have a great program. I just I, – I can't pick against Central in this situation. Walker, what do you think is going to happen with Central playing Midland? You know, we were talking about earlier motor locks. Oh, sweet Lord. And we were like, oh, well, where are we going to do it? Where are we going to do it? Are we going to even do it? And I'm going to do mine. After seeing the dominant performance by Central Catholic last week, give me my mortal lock on Central Catholic in this one. This team, I feel like, is so prepared, and I trust Silas Gomez so much after his performance last week. I, I just – the moxie, the determination, the composure this kid plays with, that kid, that kid could lead any team to big things, and I trust that him. And even DeAndre Marshall and Ben Rios, you know, the two studded guys on that offensive line – you would think, hey, you know what? They'll do their thing, and then they'll leave. They'll get off their drives, and then go chill. No, they'll go play defensive line, too. And you don't see that a lot of your big-time names willing to go and play both sides of the line. And that just shows how committed these guys are to this team. I just love this team, man. Midland has been great. Don't get me wrong. They've upset everyone. They've doubt- All the doubters, they've said, hey, you know what? We're that team. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're a good, good team. And like you said, I think it's going to be close. But my mortal lock of the week, give me Central Catholic in this one over uh, Midland Christian. And, hey, I w- it's in Brownwood, so it's only like a two-hour drive for me. So I would have went if it wasn't the same day as my alma mater uh, game. So if it was like a Friday game, I would have went. Just letting you all know. But you all picked it at the same exact time, so that's not my fault. So, But, yeah. That is a, which- that is a downside. I hate having Midland so far from us because I really do want to watch some of their games. It's just not very practical for us to get off the school and then go drive six hours. Plus, I've already made that bus ride of death a couple times in my life, and I don't have good memories associated with Midland Stadium. But, Ryan, do you want to do the courtesy of hedging our bets again, or are we just going to go all in on Central? Yeah. No, known Catholic – is a team that ended up beating them uh, the first time around, but it counts as a forfeit. They lost to Parrish by 14, which actually isn't that bad of a loss if you think about it. And they lost to All Saints by 12. Um, they just beat Nolan Catholic um, by five, which is, a, which is a good win. They beat Presswood by six. When you go over to Central Catholic, Central Catholic actually is undefeated at home, but they struggle on the road. They let up their most points on the road. They lost to Antonian Prep, which is an all right team, and they lost to um, Alamo Heights, which is another team they lost to on the road. They also usually let up a lot more points on the road, like I said, than they do at home. This game is a far drive for Central Catholic. This is going to go out of their little area. They're going to have to drive a little bit north. I don't know if they'll be completely comfortable. Guys, I am big on the travel stuff. I don't know why. I'm big on the travel stuff. I think it gets a lot in your head. And I said that about Midland earlier. Every game that I said that Midland was going to drive and they're going to and 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 that they're used to the drives and stuff like that. I was usually right about those games where I say that they're used to the drives because they are used to the drives. Um the real question now is whether this Midland team is going to be able to perform right now. And, and coming off a Nolan Catholic win, and I saw Nolan Catholic in person this year, and I think they are a tough team. Silas Gomez is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but y'all, I'm going against y'all again. I got Midland Christian. I love it. I, I, I love having our, our bets hedged. It, it terrifies me going all in on one team. But, no, I'm really glad that at least one of us picked Midland. I really do hate picking against them so much. I don't want to, I don't want them to think that we're, we're player haters. So I'm glad we hedge our bets. I just think central is probably going to get it done in this spot, but with the conclusion of that analysis, we now wander into the last game. We will preview 
Ryan, I think you are more qualified than any of us to talk and intro this game. So why don't you take it away? Y'all, Lubbock Christian versus Lubbock, uh, Trinity Christian Lubbock. The first time this game happened, uh, these two boys over here decided to pick against Lubbock Christian. I had something going in my heart that I was going to pick Lubbock Christian. Lubbock Christian defeated Trinity Christian Lubbock 22-10 to 10 back on October 15th. And Lubbock Christian's only loss comes to Covenant Christian. Trinity Christian's Lubbock has three losses that come to two UIL teams. And obviously Lubbock Christian. Trinity Christian Lubbock just beat an undefeated Grace Prep, which was a huge win and probably one of the biggest wins of last week. And Lubbock Christian just beat a very strong Pantigo Christian team, which was also undefeated going into the Grace Prep game. I had Lubbock Christian coming out of this corner to go into the final four, and I was correct. Walker and Wes had Covenant Christian coming out this corner, and Covenant lost first round. Um, and, but here's what I'll say. I, I think that this corner was the hardest corner in all of TAP's playoffs. Um, it had a deadly Lubbock, Lubbock Christian, a Pantigo, a Covenant Christian, and Shelton. Um, but Lubbock Christian crawled their way out, and I think that they can do it again. If I pick them once, I'm going to pick them again. I like this team, and I really think they're strong. However, I do want to talk about this guy. I didn't get to say it earlier. Can y'all believe these undefeated Grace Prep and Pantigo, the teams that we thought were going to be some dogs in the playoffs, are both out now to Lubbock teams? Keep that in mind. I think Lubbock is strong. I think the winner of this game wins the championship. There's no doubt in my mind that the winner of this doesn't win the championship. They had to beat the toughest teams in Division Three to get there, so I definitely believe that they are the toughest teams in Division Three. I have Lubbock Christian. I wish I had I didn't bring it on the plane, so I don't have it with me. But I have Lubbock Christian here, and I have Lubbock Christian at a close one. It won't be a 12-point win like last time. I'm really going to tell you, if I had to put a spread on it, I'm only putting a two-and-a-half or a, a three-and-a-half spread on it. I, I, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be close. It's going to be a very close game, and it's going to be the Battle of Lubbock once again. You know, there's nothing I enjoy more than putting spreads on high school taps football games. There's just something so fun about it to me. But in all seriousness, it, it cannot go without saying that Trinity Christian out of Lubbock was the team that knocked off Grace Prep. I'm pretty sure probably all of our favorites to win to win state in D3, which is, I mean, just a heck of a win for Trinity Christian. I just, you know, usually when I go with premonitions, they fail me. But I have a good feeling about this one. I think Lubbock Christian wins again. I really do. I think they're very talented. I think it's it's almost a coin flip stats-wise. And I'm going I, – I do hold a lot of weight in that previous head-to-head where Lubbock beat them by 10. I just – I think – or 12, sorry. I just – I think they get it done again. I don't really know. It's I can't really quantify why I do it. It's a, definitely a qualitative feeling. But I think Lubbock gets it done again, and I'm going to trust Ryan because he's more of the Lubbock Christian expert on the podcast. So I'm, I'm going to tail Ryan and take Lubbock Christian as well. So I'm basically, if I if I get this wrong, it's your fault. So Yeah, I know. I, so, I, somehow the Dallas kid is a Lubbock kid now. I don't know how that works out. <laughs> I guess I'm from Lubbock. I, I'm shifting blame to you if I lose. But on the record, give me Lubbock Christian. I like them to win and advance here. Walker, round us out for the two Lubbock schools. I guess Stillwater's close to Lubbock, so that's how it works. I don't, I don't know. Ryan. I don't know if that's how that works on the map. I don't. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Anyways, you know, you know what? I I could be the Lubbock Christian hater here, but I'm I'm gonna go TCS Lubbock here. You know, I think they're coming off a big, big win against Grace Prep, and you know, since that, okay, since Lubbock Christian, right? They've won five straight games, just back to back to back to back to back to back, and that that's a accomplishment in itself and uh, you got you got to give credit to that um same to you know love it christian as well but um get, i just i i i don't know i'm just I, I have a feeling you know maybe it's because you know i don't all pick love it christian i don't know if that's maybe it you know i don't want to get memed to death if we're all the same thing but uh yeah give me tcs lubbock in this one i i, I have a faith for them uh, I remember watching that one stud running back they have over there, the 6'4 monster. I forget his name on the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, give me TCS Lubbock in this one. I could be definitely wrong, but I just I have a feeling, and it's the gut feeling that I think TCS is going to upset this one. So There's nothing that satisfies me more than us hedging our bets and not all picking the same thing because there's so much less of a possibility for us to get absolutely destroyed on Twitter. But – with the conclusion of that, that is actually all the information that we have to talk about this episode. One thing I do want to tease that I that y'all mentioned last episode, we have some very, very big plans in the making for the state championships on December 3rd and the 4th. May or may not involve some type of live stream or live show. We'll see. We're working it out. But we, we will be gauging interest on that to see how many people would enjoy tuning into that. But just regardless of what we do, no, we are going hard for state. We're all getting an Airbnb and we are committing to this fully. But I mean, with that teaser coming to a close, that's really all the information that we have to cover for this episode. We will probably be the longest episode to date. But as always, I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have fantastically, as always, been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. See you later.